presentation. Incredible time of worship, just an incredible time of experience in the presence of the Lord. So grateful for those that He has put in place in His body to lead us in worship and to bring us to the throne of, of glory, to the throne of grace. This morning I'm going to invite you to Ephesians chapter 1. I'll go ahead and give you my disclaimer. I've been fighting with my voice all week. Um, it's kind of come and it's kind of gone. I told the 522 group that I wasn't going to talk very much. I lied to them. Uh, I'm not going to tell you this is going to be a short sermon because that will be a lie too. So I'm just going to go until I get done and the voice is gone. But Ephesians chapter 1 is where we're continuing this. We've already preached three or four messages. In the early verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul speaking to the church. The saints of the church telling us that we have been blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what it means to be a blessed church in the heavenly places. This morning we're going to pick up and we're going to read in verse 3 again, but we're going to walk down through verse 14. And I'm going to preach this exact same passage again next week because there's just so much in here. I could probably preach it several times if we go off. It's not live, it's just recording. Okay. Um, technical issues, for some reason we can't go live this morning, but anyway... There's so much in this passage. I'm gonna I'm gonna preach it this week, and I'm gonna preach it again next week from the same passage. So I just encourage you to meditate on it. And then in a couple of weeks, Daniel is gonna lead us in the preaching of the word as we look at the prayer of Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the end of Ephesians chapter one. But this morning, I want us to take a look kind of at the big picture, and I want to ask us, what is God's glorious purpose? What is God's glorious purpose for the church? What is his glorious purpose for the church? Let me invite you to stand as we read Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We'll go down through verse 14. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of His glory. 
Father, this morning we want to pause and praise you for your glory. We thank you for amazing grace. We thank you that you took our sins, died for them, and rose again. That according to your plan from eternity to eternity, we would have a relationship with you. Father, this morning as we begin to examine this passage, I would pray that you would, you would mind the depths of our hearts. That we could begin to see the beauty of your majesty. The glorious purpose that you have laid out before us as your people in Christ. I pray this morning, Father, for the one who may be here who doesn't know you, who does not have a relationship with you, that today, Father, you would speak to their hearts, you would draw them, and that through repentance and faith, that have an eternal relationship with you. Conform us to the image of your Son. It's in whose name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Thank you, thank you. Again, this morning is the first of two messages that I plan to preach from this passage. This morning I want us to take a look at the big picture, the overview, if you will, of the work of God. And next week we're going to dig, we're going to dig more into the details that Paul pre teaches and preaches in this passage and in this book. So this morning we ask that proverbial question, that question that's often on our hearts, and that question that never seems to be fully answered. And that question is why? Why? Why, God, do you do what you do? Why, God, are you taking our church through uncertain and fearful times? Why, God, does it seem that things are getting harder and harder and harder? Why? In this passage, through the Apostle Paul, God answers that question. Maybe not fully to your and my understanding, and maybe not even to our full satisfaction, but he answers it. And the answer is found in verse 4 and in verse 6 of this passage, and these are the two things that I want to talk about this morning. Purpose number one is that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And purpose number two is to the praise of His glorious grace. That we should be holy and blameless before Him to the praise of His glorious grace. When we look at the whole of this passage, we see words that sometimes cause trepidation and anxiety and uncertainty within us. Words like He chose. Words like He predestined. Words like the mystery of His will. That we are sealed by the Holy Spirit who is our guarantee of our inheritance. We're going to walk through these words more specifically next week. I'm not delaying in addressing them because they're difficult passages. I truly believe that when we see them in light 
of God's eternal purpose, we'll begin to appreciate what Paul is saying here much more. So let's look at this twofold purpose that Paul lays out here. First is this, that we would be holy and blameless. Holy and blameless before Him. Let's start with defining some terms. Holy, many of us are familiar with, and we recognize it just means separate. Yes, it's separate from the world and set apart from the, for the work of the Lord, but, but the meaning is still deeper. Because holy is to be like God. Let's take a short journey through scriptures. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, from the very, very beginning, the Bible says that God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. If holiness is to be like God, then in many ways it is to return to the nature in which we were originally created. God made man and woman in his image. We know this image was marred by the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And because of this, we choose in our sin, we choose to worship the Creator instead of exercising stewardship, dominion over the creation as an act of worship to the one who created us in His image. So holiness is, is being like God. The Old Testament connects this even more so in the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, you know, that's usually the book we all stop reading when we're going to do our Bible reading plan for the year. I got through Genesis, I got through Exodus, but boy, when I got to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourself, therefore, and be holy for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves. The next verse in Leviticus eleven forty five, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19, 2. Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. And Leviticus 20, 26. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, I am the Lord, and holy, and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. The book of Leviticus says, Be holy. Paul is serious about our understanding that God's purpose for us is holiness. Pastor and theologian Sinclair Ferguson, in writing about our holiness, as reflective of the holiness of God, especially in the Trinity, says this. It says, we mean the perfect, pure devotion of each of the three persons of the Trinity to the other two. We mean the attribute in the Trinity that corresponds to the ancient words that describe marriage. Forsaking all others 
and cleaving only unto thee. He says it is the absolute, permanent, exclusive, pure, irreversible, and fully expressed devotion. This is when we talk about the Holy Trinity. That's what we're talking about. To be holy as God is holy, is holy then, is pure devotion. Pure devotion to the Father. To God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Full devotion in the Spirit's holy blessings. This is what Paul says is our eternal purpose and plan. Laid down by God. Indeed, that you and I and His church, we were chosen for this purpose before the foundations of the world were even created. Be holy. Paul adds another descriptor here. Paul says that God's purpose is for us to be holy and blameless. So what is blameless? Genesis 6, 9, we find that the generations of Noah, the Bible says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Note that descriptor. After Noah is called blameless, the author of Genesis said that Noah walked with God. He walked with God. I think that's a, a beginning that begins to give us this picture. We get a greater picture in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, the people have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. The people are standing at the edge of the promised land. They're about to walk in. And Moses is giving them their last instructions. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses says this, God speaking through him says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or anyone who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. In the midst of a dark and perverse world, Paul says our purpose is to be blameless. In this world where there is great blame, where there is blemish everywhere, we have been chosen by God to walk in Christ as Christ walks without the staining of worldly practices and idolatry and evil. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us we do not have a high priest 
who is unable to sympathize in our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted just like we are. Every respect has been tempted yet without sin. Peter reminds us also in 2 Peter 3, according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these things, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. That means to be found blameless and at peace. Paul's already told us that in God, that God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Holy then points to our full devotion, our full devotion to imaging God. And blameless points to our walking with God in the ways of His glory in the heavenly places while we traverse this dark world. Deuteronomy 18. The Bible says the people were warned not to walk in the ways of darkness. And Paul says the same thing when he reminds us that our battle is against powers and principalities and rulers of the air. Indeed, in chapter 2 of this letter, Paul says that we once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You once walked, but Paul says now God has chosen us to be blameless, to be holy and blameless. Job 1.1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright and feared God and turned away from evil. Paul confirms this in Philippians 2. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without disputing that you may be blameless and innocent. Children of God. Without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. If God's eternal purpose, if God's eternal purpose is to choose us to be holy and blameless, that means that at one point when he called us, we were unholy and blamed field. And so we have to ask ourselves, how can I who are so unholy, how am I who am so filled with blame, how can I be holy and how can I be blameless before the Lord? And the answer, quite simply, is to be like Jesus. It's to be like Jesus. And that leads us to this second purpose of God for the church. And that is to be about the praise of His glory. The praise of His glorious grace. I'm going to confront you with a truth this morning that may be hard for us to grasp. I don't know how many of us have given this very much thought. 
but I encourage you to hear me out. There is nothing. There is nothing in all of eternity. There is nothing in all of eternity that is more important to God than God's glory. There is nothing in all of eternity that is more important to God than God's glory. Everything. Everything God does. Everything God says. Everything He has created, judges, saves, destroys, sustains. Every, everything God does is for His glory. The salvation of His church is not primarily so that people can go to heaven. The primary purpose is that we would be to the praise of His glory and grace. There is no higher love in all of creation than God's love for His own glory. Because if God loved anything more than Himself, or if God sought to the praise of anyone over Himself, then in some kind of weird way, God would be committing idolatry. There is nothing higher to worship than God. But God's love and devotion to His own glory, to His own glory within the Trinity is pure and it's perfect and it is not for our demise. It is for our eternal salvation. He saves us to glory, to glorify Him. The praise of His glory. Paul uses that phrase or one similar to it several times in the opening verses of this worship song that he has written called Ephesians chapter 1 to the praise of His glory. And it's directly connected to our redemption. Here in verse 6, Paul says that God's eternal purpose is to the praise of His glorious grace. Listen, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Because we are in Christ, that praise to God's glory is seen in the redemption of His church. That Jesus would redeem His church. That we are in Christ Himself. To the praise of His glory. In verse 11 and 12, Paul says, In Him, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope, we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. Our hope, our hope in Christ, is to the praise of His glory. God's glory is demonstrated in our eternal hope because God works all things, all things according to the counsel of His will. We are redeemed in Christ and we hope in Christ and those are for the praise of His glory. One more in verse 13 and 14. Paul says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Him, 
you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Anybody want to take a guess as to why? To the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. So not only is our redemption and our hope for the eternal glory of God, but our, our entire eternal security is for the praise of His glory. Is it any wonder that Jesus would say in Luke 15, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God when one sinner repents. One sinner repents. There is praise among the angels. Or First Peter would say that the angels, the angels, those who are gathered around God day and night forever and ever, they long. Peter says they long, they desire with their passions and their yearnings, they long to look in at the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. The heavenly beings gathered around the throne of God, worshiping holy, holy, holy. The Bible tells us, is the Lord our God, is the Lord God Almighty. They long to see His redemption proclaimed among the chosen and the believing to the praise to the praise of His glory. I know I know that hearing that salvation of humanity that salvation of the church the salvation of yourself and myself I, I know that beginning to understand that our redemption is not primarily about us is hard. Because you see, we have sin-filled hearts and sin-filled minds that cause our pride and our self-centeredness to swell our egos. And I know it doesn't answer all the questions, but Paul in this moment is concerned about leading God's people the saints in Christ who have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Paul is concerned about leading us to worship. To worship the triune God. The Father who chose before the foundation of the world. The Son who finished the work of redemption on the cross and rose again from the dead in time and history to worship the Holy Spirit who secures the redeemed for all of eternity. Paul's call here, his exhortation, is to praise God. That we, His children, would be holy, fully, completely, unwaveringly devoted to God. That our lives would be like Jesus, blameless, Blameless in this perverted and wicked world. And that we would praise His glory and His grace. John Piper once wrote something along these lines. I couldn't find the quote exactly. But he said, missions, missions, you know, the idea of going into the world and sharing the gospel. Missions exists because worship does not. 
we are saved. And we seek the salvation of others. So that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the love of our Redeemer. The love of, our, of the Son Jesus. And the power and the security of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit. We are saved. The world is saved so that God would continually be worshipped for His glory and His grace. We gather on Sunday mornings to worship. We step out of the world where hate and division and debauchery and wickedness and sickness and evil reign. We step out of that world and we covenant our hearts together to worship. To worship. And we ask why. Why did God choose before the foundation of the world? Why did God predestine? Why did God lavish His love on us and wisdom and insight? Why did He reveal the mystery of His will to us? Why did He eternally secure us? Why? Proverbs 21 writes, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Psalm 19.21 says, Many are the plans of the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The psalmist writes in Psalm 33, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. Job 42.2, Job says, I know, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be for you. Beloved, everything, everything in this world Everything in this world seeks to destroy the worship of the one true living only God. James warns us, he says, Oh, adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The prophet Jeremiah speaks right straight to our hearts when he says our hearts are deceitful above all things and they are desperately sick. Nothing has really changed since Genesis 6, 5 when it says the wickedness of man is great on the earth and every, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's who we were. Infinitely unholy. Eternally blamed worthy but God but God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in 
the beloved. Friends, that the plan of salvation were dependent on us, no one would ever be saved. That the plan of worshiping God wholly and blamelessly were dependent on us, no one would worship God. If our holiness and blameless, blamelessness were dependent on me, we would remain sinners following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. But it's not. It's not dependent on us. God has chosen God has made us alive in the Beloved. And He has given us the gift of repentance and belief that our lives can now be sanctified for the praise of His glory and grace. And this brings us, this brings us to a place of humble submission where we worship the Lord, where we worship the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ where we worship the Savior in spirit and in truth, where we worship Him in accordance with His Word and His grace and His mercy. God's purpose for our existence, He created us for His glory. He redeemed us for His glory. We respond to the life that He has given us in in humble, humble repentance and exalting worship to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His grace. Why? That God would have image bearers, holy and blameless, committed to the apostolic teaching of, the, of God's Word, praying together, fellowshipping in baptism and communion, that our hearts would be united to worship our Creator, to worship our Redeemer. And so as we take a look at this passage in more detail, and we begin to confront some of these hard truths, and we ask ourselves, why? The why is so we would be holy and blameless. And then we would praise Him. And we would praise Him for His excellent glory and His marvelous grace. Join me as I read Psalm 148. Psalm 148 is a song of praise. You feel that you need to make a decision to follow the Lord, that He's calling you, that He is calling you to repent and believe that now is the moment of that decision. The altar is open if you would like to come here and pray, if you'd like to pray where you are. You would just like to stand and raise your hand as we read the word of praise. We just invite you to take the next couple of minutes and lift our hearts and lift our voice to the Lord. The psalmist writes, praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you shining stars. <coughs> Praise Him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For He commanded and they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures in all the depths. Fire and hail, snow and mist. Stormy winds fulfilling His words. Mountains and hills. Fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maids together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise. The Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, this morning we pause to praise the Lord. To praise you for your goodness. To praise you as creator. To praise you as redeemer. To praise you as the one who seals us into the day of redemption. To praise you who are making your people holy and blameless before you. We praise you because you are putting words of praise into our hearts and into our minds. We praise you because you are taking our eyes off of the wickedness of this world and placing them at the holiness of Jesus. We praise you because he took our unholiness and nailed it to a cross. We praise you that he rose again that we can have life and have it abundantly and have it eternally. We praise you that when you chose us and you redeemed us, you empowered us, enlivened us to repent, to humbly come before you and to throw our sin and our shame and our wretchedness and our wickedness, to throw them at your feet. That we can stand and believe that Jesus is. He is the risen Lord. He is the risen Redeemer. There is no other name under heaven among men that we must be saved except the name of Jesus. That no man comes to the Father except through Him. We praise you that you have given Jesus in our wickedness while we were still sinners. You demonstrated your love and Christ died. We praise you for your grace. Your grace that continues to give us life 
your grace that continues to bless us with your presence, your grace that continues to unfold the manifold measure of your, of your, of your wisdom to us. We praise you for your grace that is lavished, that is poured out on your people. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you that you're speaking to our hearts right now. That you are calling us to walk closer to you. Or perhaps to walk with you for the first time. Noah was blameless because he walked with you. Father, we recognize that we walk far from you many times. And there perhaps there may be some of us who believe we walk with you, but indeed we are not. And so I would ask, I would pray, Father, I would, I would beg even that you would speak to our hearts and draw us to you. That we could see the glory of Jesus and repent and believe. That we could find that eternal life that you have chosen for us. And we can walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that for our church. As you are continuing to lead us on a journey, a journey that for many of us is uncertain. A journey that for many of us seems frightening. A journey that for many of us we step back and we say, why, Lord? I pray that through this journey you would make us holy and blameless. And that in all things we can give you praise because of the beauty and the majesty of your grace. Thank you to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you to the risen Savior. Thank you to him who knew no sin but became sin, that we might become the righteousness of Christ in you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts, converts, and seals us to the day of redemption. Thank you for your church body. That you are placing us under the authority of your word. Give us both the boldness and the humility to submit in obedience to you in all things. We praise you. We worship you. Unite our hearts and our voices to do that every day of our lives. In Jesus' name. Just super quick.